slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle a Whisker presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias that they emphasize. We are smack dab in the middle of September, and we are taking a look at iatrophobia in horror, which is the extreme fear of doctors or medical tests. Uh, and before I introduce you to tonight's film, just a few general reminders. You can stay connected with us over on X at Handle with Scare. And be sure to join us every Tuesday for our Twisted Tuesday watch parties. And those are hosted over at kick.com forward slash drunk every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Unless we run into a hiccup with Kickstaff, in which case then we would just do it over on our uh, community discord. But anyways, joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host Grindhouse Zombie and Zombie on tap tonight. Uh, you know, we, we are already kind of like talked about it a little bit on uh at least towards the end of our last episode we have one of the 2022 genre standouts uh which was released and distributed via hulu <laughs> at the time uh as one of their original films we have fresh which uh is absolutely fantastic i it seemed like everyone had a really good time on it regardless of uh, our little snafu that happened when we had to uh you know, kind of like swap things over kind of midway through the movie. But nonetheless, uh, a lot to be said about this movie. And uh, just uh, one of those new releases that completely caught, caught me off guard, uh, regardless of, you know, early word of mouth on the film and the positive reviews it was already getting from the festival scene, uh, but really lived up to... Uh, the namesake, really, because this is something unlike really anything we've seen in quite some time. Well, I think you're right right there. So, it, first of all, Hulu. So, that's kind of like a fingers crossed thing, right? Um, and admittedly, last year, Hulu had a couple of bangers. I mean, they had this and then they had Prey. And they were, I mean, those were both, it, like you said, standouts in their field. Um, but like we were talking pre-show, it's like... Like, I like horror movies in general, so for me to call a horror movie bad is really something. Mm. It's like it's like me insulting my mother, right? I'm not going to do that. Um, but Fresh, it's not quite a masterpiece. It has a couple of things that I would maybe tweak, just me being me. But it's a good movie. And it's it, it's a good movie outside of the umbrella of being a good horror movie. You know, and that's not that's not a common thing. So I think this discussion tonight is honestly going to be super fun. And this movie takes a swing at so many very relevant societal things mm -hmm. that it honestly makes it even more fun for me because it lets me give a middle finger to the people that I don't like. So <laughs> it works out. Absolutely. So for those that don't know, uh, Fresh follows the horrors of modern dating as seen through the eyes of a young woman who is battling to survive her new boyfriend's uh, 
quote, unusual appetites, uh, which is just fantastic in its own right. Now, if you were to uh, go in blind to this movie, which uh, is absolutely the best way to do it, um, you know, it's one of those movies where you're like, okay, how how long are we going to be before we have a a genuine idea of what is actually taking place? And uh, Fresh is one of the rare occurrences when uh, really the title sequence doesn't happen until like 31 minutes into the movie, (laughs) which is fantastic. That's really when, uh, you know, shit starts to hit the fan and then you're like, okay, we are deep in the shit at this point in time. Uh, but really, you know, you have the the writer, Lauren Kahn, uh, who was inspired uh, basically by this darkness that she believes surrounds the uh, the uber wealthy in our society. Uh, and obviously that does take, uh, you know, it's a pretty big piece of the puzzle when it comes to uh, the business being ran at the center of this movie, uh, and I pulled one of the quotes from one of her interviews uh, where she said, you know, I'm fascinated with the uber wealthy and the darkness that is probably uh, permeating around them uh, of when you get to a certain wealth level. When you can have everything at your fingertips, what at that point is bringing you joy? What is bringing you happiness when you can literally have everything? And, uh, you know, turns out, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're you're looking for something uh, a little bit more exotic, something a little bit off kilter, something that really no one else is going to be able to have. And sure, you know, we have all of these different uh, delivery services. Uh, There's a lot of like meal prepping going on. And this movie uh, just takes that that next step forward. Uh, in just a, a fantastic way, you know, we we have our meat montages in this movie, which are absolutely fantastic. I always get a good kick out of that. Uh, just, you know, flinging severed legs around. It is fantastic in so many different ways. And at, the, the part that really uh, brings a smile to my face is just knowing kind of like the, the audition process that Sebastian Stan had. Uh, where, you know, part of it kind of, like, made its way into uh, the movie. <laughs> so, basically, he sent in this tape, uh, and it was basically him dancing to Womack and Womack's R&B ballad, Teardrops. Uh, you know, he had a kitchen knife in his hand, and, of course, you know, a version of his dance moves would eventually make it into the final cut of the film uh, when Steve had flipped, you know, the woman's separate he- leg around in rhythm to Animotion's uh, 83 hit Obsession, which is just... A fantastic scene, uh, but but I really love the opening of this movie because, you know, in in the current times, obviously we live in a world, uh, at least with modern dating, when it comes to uh, the swipe right culture. You know, you have a lot of people who are just looking for local hookups, whether it's, you know, on, on Tinder, Bumble... Uh, there's way too many apps to name at this point in time. Uh, and of course, as you would come to expect, you know, our, uh, our main actress in this movie is, uh, you know, trying to find Mr. Right. And right off of the bat, she, uh, goes out on a date. And of course, like we've all had terrible dating experiences and, uh, you know, like there's, there's this point where, uh, her date 
is basically telling her, like, you know, I, I really, <laughs> I'm trying to remember, like, what the exact quote is, but he was, he was talking about the way that she dresses and uh, how she doesn't look feminine enough because, you know, she's wearing, like, the baggy uh, sweater, you know, and it, you know, she's not showing any skin. You know, we're not going back to like the harlot days of like, oh man, you're showing a little bit of angle. Uh, like, let's lock you up or anything like that. But it, it was so obvious that like it wasn't going to work out, and things just kind of slowly start <laughs> to unravel after that. But like, I I love the fact that right off of the bat they set this tone. We we're like. All right, that's one douche canoe. Let's move on to the next, because surely the next guy can't be that bad, right? Wrong. <laughs> and then we just go from there. Oh, this, yeah, this fucking guy, Chad. I mean, if there's ever somebody you wanted to just punch in the app that I, I like, I mean, and he is literally like the scarf wearing sort of know it all, but then who like drags his scarf through his food and, and, and he's, 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 he's He's not quite berating her the entire time, but he's like on the edge of berating her. But at the right, at, right at the end, he was like, "Oh, I was just being polite." And, and this was working all. He's like, "Good, good luck finding a man, you stuck-up bitch." And it was like, and she's sitting there like, "What the?" F-? I mean, and so to your point about like the apps and things like that, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story because I think you'll find this really funny. <laughs> so, fifteen, sixteen, uh, x years ago. I went on a date with somebody who was, and at this point, it wasn't even an app. It was a website, <laughs> okay? And uh, much to my chagrin, I ended up taking a vegan to a steak restaurant for dinner. Um, and, well, so I'm pretty sure you can figure out how that went. <laughs> so I, um, but I think it makes sense in this in this era, and I think you and I have talked about this before, This in this era of accessibility, and, this, and you can talk to anyone about anything at any fucking time, it's like, it's still with a lot of those apps and things. It's like people are still the farthest apart that they have ever been because, and it just seems like we're getting farther apart because nobody bothers to take a second to go. So who are you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and how do I get to know you and what's the right way to do it? Um, But yeah, for, for Noah in this movie and just, just the way everything starts, I mean, and her to be left outside that restaurant and the guy makes her go fucking Dutch and then takes the leftovers with him. I mean, what a fucking asshole. Mm. <laughs> that's, I mean, uh, going Dutch is one thing. Okay, guess what? Get two boxes. Okay? Everyone gets a little. But I suppose after the whole scarf thing, she was probably like, I don't think I want any of this hippie douchebag's germs on me. But I, it was it, such a weird, I mean, a weird, uh, like to start a horror movie off with like a bad date. I mean, it's not necessarily a new thing but to have it go this poorly Mm. (laughs) i mean and fucking poorly you know and you know then as she's talking to her friend molly and her friend molly is like well you know you'll you'll find a better one you got to go out and and molly is a big fan of going out and just getting that d um and i think that's one of the funniest parts is that it it sort of turns the it, it turns the tide from like it being a guy who's just out getting laid to a girl for who a change just wants to go out and get laid. And when she meets Steve in the grocery store and he has the moment with the grapes and she's just like, Oh, well this could be interesting. And you can see in her, in her eyes and in her mind, she's kind of trying to follow her friend's footsteps. And I think if nothing else, maybe to just break the tide of bad luck she's had so far. And I think I, I honestly think it's great. Yeah, the the whole uh, 
produce meetup. <laughs> it's uh yeah yeah I don't I don't even know what to say about this. So as someone who uh, works in produce, one uh, I will stand by the fact that uh, through the power of science, uh, cotton candy grapes, fucking fantastic. Uh, they're seasonal. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Uh, you know, this isn't a case of Noah going to the grocery store, uh, wearing some tight fit outfit uh, without a bra and like walking through the frozen section to like gather attention or get as many eyes on her as she can. No, she's just, you know, doing her everyday routine, you know, picking up a few things for dinner or whatever. And then Steve just randomly strikes up a conversation over these cotton candy grapes. And the whole thing is cute, but it's also, like, super awkward, because he's kind of, like, stumbling his way through, you know, you know, the conversation, and, you know, it's obvious that, you know, there's, there's something there between him, and you have that moment when Steve is going to, uh, walk off, but he stops himself, you know, really thinks things through, turns around, and, uh, you know, basically asks for, uh, you know, her number, kind of, like, on the spot at that point, just to make things a little bit less awkward, uh, but it was just, it was one of those moments where, like, I just had to laugh so hard because it's like, yeah, I mean, the grocery store, I wouldn't say is, like, a great place to, like, f uh, particularly find someone, like, out in public, you know, and ask them out on a date. But just the fact that they, like, inter intertwined the cotton candy grapes and it's just like, yeah, the power of science, man, just made me laugh so fucking hard every time I see this movie. Because, uh, you know, you have that moment where it's like, yeah, like, you, you need to try this because you're not going to believe me until you actually do. And it's like, this is a conversation I've had with, like, so many customers when it comes to, you know, these new grape varieties. Well, especially the cotton candy one. Like, yeah, they're amazing. There's also, like, mm -hmm. candy heart grapes, which are really sweet as well, which aren't on the same level, uh, but they're they're pretty good in their own right. And they do taste like... Uh, like candy gummies. Uh, but it was just one of those scenes where it's like, okay, like we, we met another guy We're we got his number. We're going to set up a date. And of course her best friend uh, is already like asking a ton of questions. Like, okay, like where did you meet this guy? Like, what's the plan? What are you guys going to do? Uh, but at the same time, she's just like, yeah, you go get dicked down girl the whole time <laughs> while this is going on too. But you know, you, you kind of like go through that whole like interrogation progress with your best friend. Like, oh yeah, well, uh, you know, what's, what's his, uh, what's his Instagram handle? Like what's, what's this guy like? And you know, Noah's basically just like, yeah, you know, like he doesn't really do social media. And of course, Molly's like, yeah, that's, uh, mm, that's, that's kind of a red flag, uh, which you know, it nowadays, obviously, we are constantly online, uh, all of us, uh, some more so than others, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I would say with, you know, people in their 30s, their 40s and beyond, like, obviously, like our social media presence isn't going to be anywhere near as much as like the 20 year olds like let's be real <laughs> that's never the case so for someone to like not have like a, a social media presence actually isn't like a huge deal but as long as they are the communication is always going to be key but i know so many people who are like if you don't have snap then like why am i even bothering at this point okay boy i have so many points to make here let's see where should i start 
First of all, I'm going to start with the cotton candy grape has got nothing on the pineapple strawberry. Nothing, okay? Because first of all, the pineapple strawberry looks like a human fucking brain, basically. And it tastes like pineapple. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, second of all, I you strike me as a guy who has probably been asked to thump a melon or two in the produce department. So I think you sort of get you sort of get the connection. I mean, but I also think it's very... I mean, it's very homogenic, right? I mean, it's it's not something that people do, but it's also the most, like, natural connection point in life. Because you talk to people every day, whether it's somebody at the gas station, the grocery store, the the bar, the pharmacy, whatever else. And I think it's honestly where most of the natural connections are made. But I don't think people put the significance on it that they once used to. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the social media part of it, well, yeah, absolutely. There's people that are like, well, if you're not on this, why would I even talk to you? But I mean, for somebody who's in their 20s, that's where they live, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not in my 20s, as I've alluded to before. So it's definitely something that I like try to contribute to when I can. But the reality for me is, is, is if I have to go home and I have to make a decision between changing my oil or making dinner or taking my dog for a walk or going on Instagram or whatever else, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to change my oil first. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it it just, the importance level is just not there. So I don't think that this movie tries to downplay any of that. I think they actually try to use it to its advantage because there's a lot of times where they talk about, well, I don't have a cell signal. I don't have that. But then on the opposite side of that coin, you have Molly, who is totally tech-savvy, and it does everything up to including using an image in Google to search for something, which I didn't even know was a thing you could fucking do. So, I mean, that, so that was awesome. So, I mean, they kind of play both sides of the fence, you know? And I think the sad thing is that they use the very organic experience of meeting somebody in the grocery store to a bad end. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you just met somebody and you talked and you shared a conversation about grapes. And now guess what? I'm carving your ass off. It's like, <laughs> oh, I don't think all of those situations <laughs> would go like that. I mean, maybe some, but not all. <laughs> well, there, there's an obvious uh, middle step to that whole thing. And that was, uh, you know, the first date that happened between the two <laughs> after the fact. You know, kind of like skipped a, a pretty important step uh, in, in there. Uh, but yeah, so... So, you know, we have Steve, who is, uh, you know, on the surface level, this very charming doctor. Uh, and, you know, it's not before long that the two of them go on their first date. You know, they're meeting up at a at a bar, they, you know, striking up conversation. And, uh, you know, it's not long before Steve ends up planning this uh, surprise holiday uh, that was, you know, planned by him for Noah. Uh, which is basically going to be uh, initially was well, kind of like a long drive. Uh, so Steve drives mm-hmm. Noah over to his place the night before, you know, the big trip. And that is when things start to take, you know, a darker turn uh, because, you know, we have that moment when he drugs the wine. And, you know, Noah wakes up to find herself chained to the floor uh, in a room. Now, I know we've talked about, uh, you know, layouts of uh, houses before and, like, you know, pretty big buildings. I have to say, like, the place that Steve is is staying at, it's like, okay, that that to me is much more realistic, especially, you know, for the modern era. 
Uh, but just the overall layout, the room designs and everything uh, makes a lot more sense. And uh, honestly, at times, just it's so much more appealing to the eyes, uh, regardless of furniture in the rooms for obvious reasons, because, you know, you're, you're not having people stay there for comfort by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but just, you know, comparing it to, like, say, what we were getting with, uh, you know, Dr. Giggles <laughs> and all of, like, the patient rooms in that house. Uh, a much nicer place in comparison. Well, it's one of the few movies where they have what are effectively cells, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're in a cell, but it's also not a dungeon, right? right? Um, you have stainless appliances and really nicely done walls, and you have artwork and the little gates that go across the cells. I mean, those look like, to me, they look like some like really finely polished teak. I mean, and I'm sorry, but fucking teak is expensive. I'm a woodworker and I can't afford fucking teak. But at the same time, I also know that if I got loose, I could bust through that shit in a fucking heartbeat, which is probably, you know, the, the, the reason they keeps them chained up. But I think that's like the biggest thing is that, <clears throat> and, and to your point about yeah, the elitist society that we're talking about, I mean, this guy's house is something that most of us could not imagine. Mm-hmm. And there's a point in the movie where he talks about his clients being the 1% of the 1%. So it's like, if this guy's already the 1%, it's like, Jesus Christ, how good did the 1% of the 1% have it? You know? And I just, but I mean, I would love to be able to, you know, sashay through his house and have my own little dance party and do whatever else. At the same time, I would be awfully worried about spilling a beer or like putting a cigarette burn in a carpet somewhere. Mm. So I, but it's, it, it's also, it's nice because it takes a lot of the, the being trapped and the horror out of the dungeon and puts it on the first level of the house. Like, if you drove by, you could see it through the windows. On the bright side, he's at the end of a road and there's nobody else there. But it's, it's nice that you don't have to, I mean, the only true, like, dungeon s scenes that we see are his freezer. You know, and that's where he takes his chunks of meat and he puts them in his meat dumbwaiter. And I'll say it again, and I said it on kick the other day, I want to have a meat dumbwaiter. I really do. I want to have a big enough room that I can store meat. And I have so much that I have to have a dumbwaiter to bring it upstairs. (laughs) Because either it's too heavy or I'm just too lazy (laughs) to bring it upstairs. And I want to have a really nice painting in the back of my dumbwaiter, too. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I hope that happens for me one day. Yep. You know, modern problems, <laughs> you know, modern solutions uh, on, that, on that front. Uh, but yeah, just absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so, of course, you know, also in the house. So, you know, we, we have our, our cells. Uh, we also kind of have our hidden uh, trophy room or trophy case, really. Uh, behind the painting painting where, you know, we see, uh, you know, belongings to, you know, different girls that Steve has targeted over however long this has been going on. Uh, And, you know, we we don't really have a grand idea of, like, how large-scale this operation is. Obviously, like, there's at least, uh, you know, one other person involved, his his wife, (laughs) Uh, who has an interesting story in her own right. Oh, totally. But we do have... Okay, so 
Let's talk first of all about food preparation. Okay, A, you need to store your food at the proper temperature and cook it to the proper temperature. So I, that was one of the things that bugged the shit out of me. It was like when he was doing his obsession dance, he was he was chopping up what appeared to be raw meat and then just putting it like in a, a UPS box. <laughs> and I'm like, um, well, it's great that you vacuum sealed it, but it's still not cold, so it will rot. Um but as far as like the level of what the we'll call it the organization is, he did have a guy mm-hmm. that came to his house in a black SUV that loaded up the boxes and took them away. So I mean he's not you know, he's not using UPS for this. He's not he's not using FedEx. You know, he's got he's got there's some sort of uh, organizational thing where this person makes sure that these things get to the right people. Right. So yeah, I mean to say it's huge is probably an overstatement, but to say that it's organized is probably an understatement yeah we basically have the wife we have a driver uh we have like some security intel uh not not a ton at least from you know what appears on screen uh but beyond that we really don't know uh how big this the scope actually is for the operation but obviously all of it is being helmed by steve uh, in this case. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Sebastian Stan did in order to get in the right mindset for this character uh, is he was studying narcissism and the psychological profiles of known serial killers. Uh, and, you know, he found out that, you know, they learned about others through reveal- revealing information about themselves, just like Steve gets to know Noah while trying to decide whether or not she is his kind of prey. Now, obviously, well, he, uh, yep, go ahead. I was going to say, he, he's an actor in Hollywood, so I don't think narcissism is like that far <laughs> out of the playbook. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, going back just a tiny bit, one of the things I, I, I was in the research I was doing that I thought was awesome is that when they did the big premiere for this movie, they actually didn't have an after party. They had a pre-premiere party um, just because of the subject matter, but they did have... Um, what was it? It was uh, Gina Wade Creative. So that's a group. They created a display for the reception um, featuring a large table with food on it, cleavers hanging on a wall, glass jars filled with raw meat, and boxes of snacks shaped like body parts. And I'm like, there's a little piece of me that like wants to forgive Hollywood for all the bad shit that it does when somebody brings something like that to the table and just owns it. Because mm-hmm. it, goes, it goes so in tune with the movie. Um, but then the other thing, like with the wife, like you really don't know that the wife is in on things until later in the movie. There's there's definitely a moment in there where they they sort of try to like play her off as the innocent victim in this whole thing. Right up until Molly starts looking for Noah and then it's like, oh, OK, wait a minute. And there's some other things to talk about there. We'll, we'll say those to the end because they're more appropriate there. But it's like this, this whole thing. I mean, and even even you know Noah asking for asking for a shower. And I think the one thing that I love so much about Noah is that she is always plotting her escape, mm-hmm. and she will stop at nothing to do it. Which, um, I mean, yeah, you have some. I mean. It, Let's be honest here. I mean, Noah's kind of the final girl, but at the same time, she is such an intriguing character. And and especially after, you know, she tries to escape during her shower and she has to be quote unquote punished by having her ass harvested. Um, 
it, for me, it's it, it's amazing that the character in the movie sort of maintains this like, well, okay, yeah, so he cut my ass off, but I'm gonna keep going and keep trying. Like she never gives up, um, and. <sighs> It's one of the things I think that really endears you to her character is that she has just... Because if you're watching the movie, you sort of know what she's doing. But at the same time, you sort of don't know what she's doing. At least the first time you watch it, you're like, is she doing this or is she doing that? And the movie does a good job of like keeping you on your toes as far as like what her motivations actually are. Yeah, and it, it, it's worth noting, too. Like She does use a lot of the same tools uh, in order to... Uh, kind of like subdue Steve, <laughs> you know, trying to just pick up little snippets here and there about how she can try to, you know, gain that upper hand. So uh, she's just not, you know, chained up and, uh, you know, kind of like withering away in in this cell. Uh, now, that being said, you know, since there are multiple cells in this uh, in this house, uh, she is not alone. She is not the only one currently uh, having her body parts harvested, as as you were mentioning. Uh, she does have a couple of neighbors, and of course, you know, uh, Molly does eventually look into uh, Noah's whereabouts. Uh, and you know that that definitely comes into play, kind of like from from really like the first date moment with Steve, because Molly used to date uh, the bartender that works at the place that they were at. Uh, and, you know, Molly basically gave, uh, her, her ex, uh, basically like a track end, uh, for the phone, just in case, you know, shit goes sideways, which of course it eventually does. And, uh, you know, we have that moment when, you know, the ex-boyfriend is trying to kind of like look into things. Uh, but of course, you know, we, we do have that moment where he's like, man, am I lost? Like, where the fuck is this, this thing taking yeah. me? <laughs> Yeah, they get tropey as hell on him, which is which is uh, kind of a little unfortunate. Like, I, I think he could have played a kind of a bigger role in the end, other than going, "Oh hell no, I'm out of here." Mm-hmm. You know, I just which I it was a it was a little disappointing. Probably one of the one of the small things that knocks you know a couple of points off this movie for me. It was like, well, why are we doing that? I mean, we don't have to. You know, it's like because I mean it. It's kind of obvious that he's interested in Molly, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so A, why is that a bad thing? B, why do you have to, like, keep him like this, like, sniveling puppy dog thing? I mean, like, give the guy something. Um, but then at the very end, you sort of turn him into a little bit of a bitch, and you sort of drive him away. And it's like, well, why? Like, what's, I mean, so, I, I, like, I get it, like, horror movie trope-wise, but at the same time, it's like, it's one of the things that I'm kind of growing frustrated with, is it's like, we just need to let these characters kind of find their own place to be and not have this preconceived notion of what they're supposed to do. Because, I mean, he met the preconceived notion, but I was hoping for something different. Yeah, and I, I think part of it is, you know, we, we do kind of like have that power struggle going on uh, later on in the movie when Noah does make her escape and, you know, we kind of have that three-on-one fight in the kitchen, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. So I don't know if, like, it was their way of, like, trying to ensure that the women are the primary, you know, uh, like, power That's- grabbers in that in that sequence or, or what it was, or, like, if maybe, like, the guy intervening would have, like, detracted from that moment for them. I don't know, but either way, yeah, I, I completely understand what you mean, because it's one of those scenes where it's like, oh man, like, I've seen this movie before, I know how this is going to end for me. 
That's a good point. That's a good point. And that's probably what it was. I mean, you know, because even when, you know, when Molly went looking for Noah and she ended up at Steve's, a.k.a. Brendan's house, um, and uh, Molly ends up getting knocked out. And then, so you, you quickly figure out that the wife's involved in it, too. Um, but there's like this, I don't know, there's this moment in the kitchen where the, Steve, a.k.a. Brendan, was like, hey, good teamwork today. Mm. And it was like, yeah, because you clock somebody and knock them out. Um, but then at the same time, and this this goes back to me being a meat guy and understanding most of things. So in their kitchen, they have, there's a meat board, and it has a limb of some sort on it, and you can see the tattoo on the limb, and they're carving it off. Um, and this is just me, but it bugs me because they make the meat look smoked. Okay. <laughs> which is, which is fine. It's, it's fine that it looks smoked, but smoking meat does not preserve it. Salting meat preserves it. Okay. Cause like I've made country hams and things like that. And like a country ham is something that you can put on a counter and leave there for months and it will be fine. You can just cut a piece off of it and just keep going. But just smoking something doesn't preserve it exactly. So, like, but like seeing a chunk of a, like a human arm or a human leg that looks kind of smoked, and it's like, it, that just felt lazy. Like they should have talked to somebody about that. <laughs> but then also, when you have Steve and his wife Anne that are in their the bathroom at their at their twin sinks and they're doing whatever else, and she goes to hop in the shower, that's where you see that's where you see that she has been party to this whole thing too mm-hmm. you know and she has an artificial leg because at some point she was carved up and i think that he's at that place where it's like for whatever reason Anne's stuck right but now he's thinking that noah is likely going to replace Anne. now the thing that i don't get is that he comes home and he says hey did the boys go down all right and he's like yeah they went to bed they asked for you and he just doesn't mention anything so it's like there's clearly a a little bit of a family dynamic going on, but they don't talk about how it's going or where it would go if Noah took Anne's place. Mm-hmm. So it and as a as a as a family guy, it's like that, that's kind of a that's kind of a little bit of a plot hole. Like <laughs> like what are you gonna do there? And it's like I'm sure you have the kids coming out for breakfast and they're getting their lunch boxes. It's like don't forget your snack, champ, and they give a, they carve a little piece off the leg. <laughs> Here you go. Um, which is gross in and of itself. Um, but I think they could have done just a tiny bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what what sort of meals is uh, the wife prepping at the house? Like, are are we doing the mundane dinners or, you know, are are we eating what we're harvesting at this point in time? Because a, a lot of me j- just assumes like, yeah, we're just going to have, you know, uh, a stereotypical family dinner uh, and then, you know, Everything else that's that's purely business. We're not actually partaking in that. And sh- sure, Steve or Brandon uh, does, uh, especially when it comes to you know introducing Noah to to a little bit of uh, you know little bits of the goods because like you you have the moment when you know Noah has that that curiosity uh, peaking her interest, yes. and you know they they do that fantastic thing where it's like. You know, she she asks like, "Oh, well, like, what does it taste like?" And then you know, Steve gives her a response, and she just does one of those. 
Hmm. And it seems oh, like that. That's it. Like that's that's all. Well, you, he does that's look, all you want to ask me. <laughs> well, well, I mean, yeah, but then they give it a little bit of time. Then he does kind of his giant exposition dump mm-hmm. about you know he first tasted it when he was eighteen or nineteen, and he was kind of horrified. But then he realized that he was in a different place, and things were just so squizzed, and you know, and he gives her that you know that dish to eat, <clears throat> and I believe she calls it. Let's see. Is it? Uh, I have to go into my notes. Pardon me for being unprepared here. I think she calls it undescribable. Mm-hmm. But that—that that I think is also a description. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a description, but I think that at the same time, though, if you're seeing this movie for the first time, you don't know what she's plotting, mm-hmm. right? You—you you have no idea. So it's like, from that point, it could go either way. Either she is in, or she could be out, and you right. don't know. And. Even though I think I've seen this movie probably seven or eight times now, it still is a moment where it's like, like it makes you stop and think a little bit, like like about what her motivations are. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I know what happens at the end, so I kind of know what her motivations are. But as a viewer, it gives you that moment to just be like, well, you know, maybe it's okay, you know. And and he does tell her he's like this this meal here is thirty thousand dollars, and she's like, wow, and she's like it would be worth more if she was still alive. And it was like, oh boy. Okay. So, I mean, but it, so it, it gives you the brutality, but it also gives you that sort of a semi-pleasant, we're just having dinner thing. So mm-hmm. just smile. I cooked for you. Shut up. You know, I just, so it's, it's it, it, totally horrid, but great in a lot of ways too. Yeah. One of the things that really surprised me that, this movie doesn't lean into, uh, you know, they, they talk a little bit about the dishes that they offer. And there's that moment when, you know, Noah basically, you know, makes mention of the fact that like most of, uh, the victims that she has been trying are all female. And she kind of, you know, kind of like prodding about it and asking why that's the case. And, you know, they, they, they gave the uh, the mundane answer of, uh, you know, that's just what the clientele prefers. Instead of leaning into the, oh, well, they just taste better. And then, you know, my mind, you know, is just constantly running like, okay, uh, well, Molly, for instance, uh, are it, like, do, do you have clientele in this case who, you know, prefers dark meat? Obviously, that would be another question to bring up in this sort of operation. Uh, you know, too, like, what about anyone who is a, uh, like, a drug user? Like, does that change the flavor of the meat? Because, like, we we all know there's tainted meat out there. You know, you don't want any part of it. Like, it, I, okay, it's just well, throw, throwaway I, product at that point, really. <laughs> you know? Well, okay. A, I, 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 I'm, I'm very wild by the fact that you said it out loud because the turkey conundrum was definitely part of like what I was thinking about. What do you like, white meat or dark yeah. meat? So I think that's definitely fair. Um, but I also think it, it, it honestly kind of surprises me for a movie made in 2022 where they don't have like that our 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 serial killer Steve wouldn't bring home a guy. You know, with with all the shenanigans that he pulls, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised that they didn't go the, you know, the completely like like let's just include everybody route and like yeah. So, but so I okay, having never eaten human meat, I can't tell. I couldn't tell you what's 
what tastes better or what doesn't taste better. Like I've eaten veal. I prefer steak. <laughs> so I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Um, but they do have that, especially after their first, their first dinner. And then, you know, he, he buys her that dress. And then he's like, you know, you can wear a dinner tonight. And she's like, okay. And then she asked him, is this a date? And he's like, I don't know, maybe. But then they, they have this interaction, this banter back and forth where she is almost like getting into it, you know? And there's a moment where he says to her, he's like, you know how I know you were special? Because you're fucked up too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah, we're kind of all fucked up, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about, right? Um, but then she gets invited to the dinner table versus, you know, just kind of sitting at the bar top thing where they were having dinner. Um, and she is just chugging her wine. And it's like, the first thought is it's like, it, for me at least, it's like, well, she kind of knows what's coming, so she's trying to prepare for it because I don't think she's down with the old uh, cannibalism thing. Um, but then he talks about, he's like, I could tell, like, no one's ever cooked for you before. And it's like, it kind of implying that her childhood was rough and that her parents went around. And you talk about the movie, they they say it, that she doesn't have any close family. So it's like, okay, yeah, so her childhood was rough. Um, But then they get into, I I think, what is a little more, (laughs) like, twisted. And so twisted but deep at the same time because she finally says, you know, who is this? And he's like, he's like, this is Melissa. And she's like, she's like, that's kind of boring. It's like, she tastes so decadent. Like, I thought her name would be, like, Joy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then she mocks. She's like, well, I guess we finished all the hope, right? I mean, and that's, using those names is so beautiful. <laughs> it's just so beautiful because it's like, yeah, I, I, I can see Melissa being a, a boring name, but, like, Joy and Hope mm-hmm. in, in terms of cannibalism, it's just, like, great, you know? And then uh, she asked Stevie, he's like, did Melissa get a candle at dinner? And he's like, uh, she didn't, but like, you know, welcome to my world. And that's where he shows her the trophy case, you know, and because you saw him earlier with the boxes, putting a little bit of something in each box that was tied to the victim. So the people that were eating could be, I don't know, penny sniffing <laughs> while they were having dinner. It's it's part um, of the experience, right? <laughs> well, I, I prefer to light a candle, but that's just me. OK, that's fine. <laughs> Um, but then he talks about what she's eating being the breast meat. And then she makes a joke and she's like, and she's kind of gig- like, she's giggling like a drunken giggle. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, well, what's the problem? And he's like, you saved the breast for last. And it's, I, I mean, and you know, it's one of those things where I hate to say this, but like, if you're in a, a budding relationship I can see that kind of banter going on, and I can see that being funny as hell. I can see it, even though I'm not a cannibal, as a matter of course. But I can see it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the "Are you a, a, a thigh or a breast man" or, or anything like that. But you know, she Noah definitely has that moment where, you know, at, after drinking a lot of the wine, she's like, she's kind of kind of like holding it back a little bit because like she knows that it's stupid. But I, I still think at the same time, she knows that it is going to get, like, the reaction that she is looking for, Odyssey, when she does, you know, eventually tell that joke to him. Uh, because, you know, initially, when they're when they're having hope, you know, she, she gets a kick out of that. So, like, 
you know, obviously there's, you know, parts of her that are are a little bit fucked up, or maybe she's just leaning heavily into it because that is exactly what Steve is looking for, and that would uh, mean that Steve is basically going to be more open and uh, less guarded at, at that point in time to make for an easier escape, uh, you know, for Noah at this point in time. But the whole trophy casing is an important thing to note because... You know, at that point, Molly had already been taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we see, like, the collection of phone cases, you know, inside this trophy case, you know, that's our, our first clue of, like, oh, shit, like, there's there's another person here at this point in time. And then, you know, things do start to, to take a turn for the better, at least for the victims uh, in this case. Well, and you can see it too when they when he lifts that up. You can see the look on her face when she understands that her best friend is mm-hmm. here and her best friend is captive. But to her credit, she does not give away a single thing. She just keeps going and keeps just kind of I, I don't know. She just she plays her role because she's become this like like dutiful mistress, um, and. Well, at this point, she actually doesn't know she's a dutiful mistress. She thinks that she's just, you know, doing whatever. She has no idea that Steve slash Brendan is married. She has no idea. Um, um, Like, but even when they're... Yeah. When they're having that dinner and she's like, you know what? You're right. No one's ever cooked to me or cooked for me, you know? And they're, they're having that whole thing. And she's like, she makes a comment about, like, this girl had better tits than I did. Mm-hmm. And... And Steve just kind of looks at her and she's like, well, you're not saying no, you know, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I mean, and then they get into this moment where they have this thing and it feels a lot like every high school dance I ever went to where it was like, it's so awkward. You feel like if, if you get a girl to dance with you, it, it still feels awkward. You still feel alone, but you feel like you're under a spotlight where you think you're going to do everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And and there's just this kind of like, yeah, this like this dancing back and forth thing. And it's, it is so on the nose of like a budding romance. And I think that is the, one of the things this movie does so well is that it, it makes you feel like, you know, is she not trying to escape or is she, is she actually like going to dive into this whole thing? Because again, with, with the wife, Anne and, how obviously jealous she became. It's like, like, I don't exactly know what's going to happen, but I'm still, I'm still interested. And it, it gives you such a, such a place. And especially like uh, all of the dancing. Okay. So all the dancing in this movie, there's moments where we have risky business, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's moments where we have um, 16 candles um, and there's moments where we have pretty in pink, right? So they are going literally back to all the high school, everything is fucking awkward moments, and they're making you feel all that again. And it makes you feel like bad because you know how they felt, but like good because you know you came out the other side, so it's okay. Um, but it did a great job of setting all that up. I mean, and it was for me, it was so fun. Like it, it, all the music and all the dancing in this movie is being a movie about cannibalism <laughs> i mean to, to to go back and say that it made me think about these great high school movies and how i felt back then that's it's honestly kind of a triumph it really mm-hmm. is 
Yeah, now, one of the things I really appreciated, too, is, you know, kind of, like, going back to technology and just the way that we communicate. Um, you know, we do have the moment when Molly is trying to check in with Noah to see, like, how everything is going, uh, knowing that, you know, she is, you know, away on this uh, trip with this new guy who she just met, uh, which, you know, in itself is kind of a red flag in its own right, uh, especially, you know, to Molly and probably to a lot of others as well. Uh, you know, she sends a picture and then, like, it's just like a heart emoji, essentially. Uh, and, you know, Molly just immediately, you know, clicks off, like, like, that. she doesn't, she wouldn't do that. Like, like, we talk every day. Like, I, like she knew immediately that something was wrong, and that's when she was going out of her way to, uh, you know, find out more about Steve, or, you know, who we thought was Steve at that point in time. So I, I really like the fact that it's like, you know, it really shows you, uh, you know, how close, like, their relationship actually is, where it's like, all right, you you already had, uh, like, red flags planted at this point in time about, because it is a new guy, uh, you know, we have, like, this, you know, surprise we can get away, uh, and this is just after the first date. You know, obviously things are moving pretty fast, then you haven't heard from her in, you know, X many days, so it's like, okay, like, what the hell's actually going on? And sure, like, you're a little off the grid, but you're still within reach. Uh, so it really leans into that, which is important to note. Oh, yeah, definitely. And when your friend tells you that they need a technology break, I mean, mm -hmm. I think... I think that has become a trope in life because nobody actually ever takes one. Right. I think that, that's just bullshit. Nobody takes a technology break. Now, could we all use one? Probably. We could probably all use one. Just flush out our brains and flush out our hearts and our asses and everything else. Just flush all of it and just be and just become a little more real. Um, but to your point, yeah, it's it, it's great that her friend is like, my friend wouldn't do that, mm -hmm. and. I think that is probably one of the moments in this movie that was like not quite chest grabbing, but like, oh, like, okay, you know what? And just the the having the best friend, having the best friend, somebody who knows you so well and is like, wait, something's off here, you know, and sets out on her mission to be like, yeah, this is this is weird. And that's what leads her to do her. I mean. A complete and utter fucking sleuthing that she does because she goes all over the place with the sleuthing um but you know after she does her sleuthing after we end up at steve slash brendan's place and Anne knocks her the f out we get back there we have our special fancy dinner well then it's sexy time and i i don't know what it is about this is going to sound so dumb. <laughs> There's something about that pink dress, and I don't know if it's because I'm old as fuck, but I love that pink dress. I just love it. It is it is both demure and hot as hell at the same time. So I don't even know how they pulled that off. So whoever was the costume designer for this movie, fucking word up. Good job. Um, but then we get the, uh, you know... and uh, but, uh, There was one other moment where... They're dancing in the living room, and she has that dress on, and they're kind of they're dancing together and doing whatever. But she still has those leather cuffs on with the links on the end, mm. and you can see the links sort of. I mean, so it, it it gives you that that little moment of like freedom but captivity at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it, it's a so good, but also b so 
like mentally confining. Like it's like I can do what I want, but I can't really do what I want. Um, it, yeah, I don't know this. Yeah, this fucking movie's just awesome. I mean, it it does everything so well, but then you know, uh, getting towards the end, and I have um a note, and I will read it to you verbatim. It says, "Noah bites the hand that feeds." <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that you know what I'm talking about, so I will let you take it from there. <laughs> well, well, okay. So, so on that note, in regards to uh, that that feeling of captivity, but still having a little bit of freedom, the whole time I was watching that dance sequence, I'm just like, "Yep, this is definitely how Jess feels being uh, kept on her short leash <laughs> the whole time." <laughs> oh well, a- well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and th- but th- I think that's the if you're in that world, right? Mm. And and you're in that mindset. Some of this is great. Like I I honestly, if like for Jess, I think I see Jess watching this movie while sitting on a bowling pin. That's what <laughs> I just. I think she would just dig it. And there's a piece of me that fucking digs it too. Just the, just there's such because it, it's a scene of like such warmth and such love. Mm-hmm. But also when they show you the cuffs, and it's like you understand the gravity of the situation too right so it's like you're just you're like right there um but it's again so good but also for me it takes me back to high school the the high school dance where you finally got the one weird girl in the corner to dance with you and when it happened you were just like score right (laughs) it just it was happening everything was great nothing could possibly top any single moment in your life other than that so it was just but then you take her back to your place, and then um, um, she uh, yeah. excuses so. herself <laughs> to the bathroom to get cleaned up, and then she comes back and she bites your dick off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There's there's a scene uh, about that where it's like you're you're not supposed to use your teeth. But at the same time, in in this particular movie, when we are consuming so much meat. So much. <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those moments where it's like, okay. We're, well, think, we're, we're going in raw at this point in time. <laughs> it's just like... Well, but I think that keeps with the, it keeps with the tone of the movie, though, does. right? Because everything is, everything is about raw meat and doing whatever else. And yeah, you, you do see some of the rich guys. They have these little scenes where they have the rich guys cooking things in different ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, rich guys that are eating over a silver platter but their cuffs are like dripping in blood because they're so like like i get it i like i totally get it but at the same time i mean if there's one thing that you can take from a guy who that he's going to miss forever yep it's his manhood (laughs) it's gonna be that so i mean but to to think about the patience that it took for her as a character the patience that it took and what she had to go through to get to that point I'm sorry, but fucking bravo, mm-hmm. bravo for just for getting there, and then just and then off off she goes. And I didn't really get, I'll admit, I didn't really get like the toothpaste in the eyes scene because like I've been I've been in my in my bathroom at two in the morning, drunk as shit, and been brushing my teeth and gotten toothpaste in my eyes. It didn't hurt that bad, so I don't I don't know what the what that was all about. But I, visually, it was cool, but I didn't really sort of get it. But then. After that, the fight, the escape, just the fucking mayhem in this is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, on the subject of the pink dress, 
I, I do have a note about that uh, for, like, behind-the-scenes tidbits. Uh, and every day, uh, they were steaming the dress to make sure that it was pristine every day of the shoot, which is interesting when you think about it, knowing that at the end of the day, it's basically caked in blood. Well, I would steam that dress every day if I could. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not I so I I get it, but I think but you know, I think uh that dress I think ends up being a symbol. Mm-hmm. I think it be ends up being a symbol of and uh, not for any particular group, crowd or whatever else, but I think it ends up being a symbol of femininity. And uh, to be perfectly honest, like almost an old school level of femininity where People were more demure and more reserved, um, um, but still wanting to have fun, you know. So I think that was because I mean, if you look at the way some ladies dress today, like they leave nothing to the imagination, right? And that dress was not revealing; mm-hmm. it was not low cut, it was not high cut, it was not anything. It was, it was nineteen eighty seven prom dress. That's what it was, and. I mean, and that's that kind of harkens back to an age where people were a little more reserved, you know, and it wasn't, you know, I, I it's like I go to my local McDonald's and I walk in and I'm like, God, look at the ass on that girl. And she turns around and she's 15. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, so but you can't even tell anymore, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's what that was trying to tell us. It was like it, it, there was a a preservation level. I think the pink sort of spoke to that, too, or like the pink was a certain thing. Um, but I, it, it, it had that first date, prom date, wedding night, like everything all wrapped into one where it was like trying to preserve a certain level of both control and dignity. Um, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. It took me back to a place where I was both horrified and enthralled. So, I mean, I, it was a, it was a good time. Yeah, you know, preserving the pink until prom night when you lose it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of like, like going to Vegas. Yeah, you just wait yeah. until the one night, and pretty soon the mortgage is gone. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm not spending that much in Vegas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, yep. You, you keep you keep yep. saying that. <laughs> yeah, you keep telling yourself that. Whatever, whatever you got to do to get through to tomorrow, brother. Whatever uh-huh. you got to do. Hey, well, who who knows if uh, MGM Resorts will be fully operational by uh, by that point in time with all the hacking going on? Because uh, it's still not yeah. back to 100, uh, percent which yeah, is uh, which is interesting. Can't even can't even use an ATM there without getting like your checking account drained. So yeah, no thanks. Wow, fantastic. Uh, but getting back to the movie. Uh, so so after the whole dick chomp, <laughs> you know, oh. we we have Operation. Uh, you know. Let's get the fuck out yeah, of here. Get the fuck out of here. We're going to free everyone, open all the cells. And, uh, you know, you you have that moment where it's like, OK, we're going to make our grand escape. Steve, uh, essentially, you know, obviously, you know, his dick is gone, but, you know, he's, he's still got some fight in him. He's like, you fucking bitch. You know, so we go through that whole ordeal and then we have that awesome fight scene in the kitchen. And, of course, you know, some of the uh, food equipment comes to play uh, in that scene, but it is, it is three on one, but obviously, you know, you, you have to think about a number of things when it comes to the victims who have been basically held captive, you know, for how, however long, and, you know, it kind of varies based on the girl, because, uh, some of them are a little bit more far gone than others, uh, both mentally 
uh, and physically in this case, because of how much harvesting has been done to their body at that point in time. You know, they kind of like lean into the whole uh, psychosis element of it too, saying like, uh, you know, like her her neighbor uh, was beginning to worry like that. You know, what was a figment of her imagination and she wasn't real. Like, and she was just too far gone at that point in time. So like when the two meet uh, face to face for the first time, you really had the moment of like that realization like, oh, shit, like I'm I am at least partially still here. I'm not completely gone at this point and past the point of salvation. Uh, but, you know, the the power dynamic in that fight scene was so well done because, you know, yes, he was outnumbered, but they, they leaned heavily into the fact that, like, obviously these girls aren't at 100%. So, you know, you had that moment where they're all, like, dogpiling on him. But, of course, uh, you know, Steve is able to overpower them. Uh, but it's not, like, so one-sided that it's just like, oh, yeah, like, easy peasy, we're just gonna throw you up against the wall, and that's gonna be the end of it. No, there was a lot of back and forth involved, which is very important, because in so many horror movies, one of, like, the biggest scenes, and I I think Scream in particular is really, like, the only one uh, that was, like, constantly fighting back against this, this trope. Like, when you are going after someone, it like, they're, th the power dynamic is just completely one-sided. Like, there doesn't seem to be that sort of kickback. But, you know, Fresh, you know, goes against the, you know, the typical approach that we see with this. Because, uh, you know, the girls do end up uh, really kicking his ass. But, you know, not without taking some licks of their own. Well, sure. I mean, going going back to Noah meeting Penny, and I think the beautiful part of that scene is that they did not have that moment where Noah had to come in and stop and go, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. It was like, here's the keys. We're getting the fuck out of here. We're going. OK, you know, and, I, and so I, I, I love that they did not play into that trope of, oh, I'm a helpless woman. I'm going to be hysterical and do whatever. They're like, no, nope, fuck that. We're going. We're going. We're going. And as that fight went on, I mean, everybody did get their licks in. You know, right up until the point where where Steve had Noah and then all of a sudden it was like, whoomp, you know, and he got fucking licked and he got licked by Molly, you know. But then even as they're trying to escape and they're out in the woods and, you know, that they're, they're running. I, one of them was like, oh, my God, this fucking guy, like like they're they formed enough of a bond and enough of like a, we're going to make it out of this or they're like, oh, God, we still going to deal with this prick. Um and I think it's funny, but I also think it was like, well, now I know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, then they sort of encounter Steve. Um, they beat the shit out of him again. And there's a really cool scene where everybody is kind of coming up on him. And it was very, it had a very Night of Living Dead feel for me, especially mm -hmm. with Penny crawling across the ground. And it was like, and they just fuck him up. And then, you know, Noah's like, smile for me and she just I mean bust a cap right in that guy's head and it was just the end of it but then having Steve's wife and be like oh my god you got him I thought this was never going to be over and do whatever else and it's like I think that's the 1% of the 1% vibe where it's like she just wanted to make sure the business kept going mm -hmm. you know I'm not sure she entirely knew how she was going to do it without having her husband as the, the bait you know, for the for the meat, as it were. Um, but it was still just 
it was still just so good. It was so good. Yeah, and I, I love the fact, too, that, uh, you know, when they do shoot Steve in the head, you know, we, we have that callback from early in the movie because she just mutters to him, you know, give me a smile, and it shoots yeah. him. <laughs> Fantastic. <Yeah. laughs> no, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, but yeah, you know, play, playing the whole victim with the wife was definitely a smart move because obviously, like, Noah has no no idea of, like, who she is what her, or, like, if she's involved, if she's a victim or, you know, what the ordeal is. The only one who knows that is is Molly after, you know, the run-in that the two of them mm -hmm. had, uh, you know, earlier in the movie. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, as, you know, they <laughs> lean into the whole, uh, you know, victim aspect of it. You know, she uh, tries to basically strangle Noah. Uh, and, you know, we got a little bit ba back and forth here, but, you know, Noah ends up stabbing her in the neck with uh, Steve's keys. And that's when Molly comes in with the shovel and oh, just yes. absolutely bludgeons the fuck out of her. <laughs> that sound in there, that sound design, that just... Oh, it was so fucking good. It was so fucking good. <laughs> Well, then they had that conversation. I'm just like, who the hell is that? And she's like, that was Steve's wife. And he's like, he's Mary. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I love that her friend's like, that's your fucking problem with this scenario. <laughs> like, he's married. Well, and they just and they just kind of like held on with that tree. But then the very last moment of that movie where it's like her phone lights up and it's like, hey, you up? And it's like the the phone says might be Chad. And it's like, oh, it's the fucking scarf douche from the beginning. <laughs> like, oh my god. But but I think that. That is honestly how the dynamic of life these days goes, mm -hmm. that you can go through something terrible, whether it be a relationship, a breakup, whatever else, and then it's like somebody just creeps out of the fucking woodwork, right? So I think it's very true to life, um, and it, it does a good job of, like, you get to the end of that, because, like, I saw that, and it was like, oh, not this fucking guy again. <laughs> God damn it. Like... Okay. Oh yeah, I got it. Okay, that's awesome. It's yeah, like so, you uh, you go through something so horrible, and then it makes you think like maybe the other guy wasn't so bad. <laughs> well, but then it also also helps remember that that guy was a douchebag yeah. too. So I mean, there's just different levels of douchebag, mm -hmm. you know. So and just for the record, ladies of the world, we're not all douchebags. There's some of us that are not dicks like that. I mean, most of us are. We're man. That does just, let's just be honest. But there's some of us that aren't, you know, and um. <laughs> There's a lot of us that find a lot of what happened in this movie objectionable. Mm. Now, I still want to have a meet dumb later. Um, I still want to have that guy's house. And I still think that uh, I prefer leather cuffs over steel. So, yeah. but hey, whatever. Yeah. Just better on the skin. So. Yeah, but more importantly, like, you need to have the aftercare. There's oh, not, there's really oh. none of that present in this movie, but, uh. <laughs> I think he's pretty nice to her after he cuts her ass off. He gives her that little bar and that little pad to sit on when she's at the dinner table. He gives her that little pad to sit her probably what is just pelvis bones on the <laughs> on the chair. Well, I'm talking about I, after I, sex. I'm not talking about after harvesting. Those are two completely oh, different things. Okay. Totally. <laughs> well, I mean, like, isn't isn't aftercare just like an Uber? Isn't that what that is? Isn't that no, isn't no. That's what Uber's for? <laughs> different thing. Definitely, okay. Definitely not the case. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm just trying to be a gentleman here. Jess, Jess is going to listen to this being like, oh, my fucking God, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, well, me or you? Because no, I'm not you. sure. <laughs> you. Really? Okay. Well, I thought. I, 
I thought uh, not, not knowing what I meant by that. That's besides the point. Uh, but but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, Fresh came out at a time where it's like, you know, 2022. You know, I, I think you and I, you know, we, we definitely watched a fuck ton of movies last year. And I would say, like, for the most part, 2022 was actually pretty solid for the genre. Most definitely. Um, I, I, I didn't like do an average weight uh, of like what my ratings were at at the end of the year, but in regards to like things that I rated over like three stars, it was probably like sixty five percent of my list. I would say, which, you know, after after like you know close to like 200 movies like having any any sort of like metric to that extent is absolutely ridiculous because there have been so many years where it's like okay you know we have a handful of like standouts that you know we could really you know put our sample approval on and then there's a lot of you know things that are pretty murky or just like all right this is kind of like another throwaway main release or uh you know maybe we just didn't find as much to enjoy in some of the independent movies but last year was pretty solid but Fresh to me was definitely one of those examples of okay, like we we always kind of have that hesitation when it comes to streaming exclusives in particular, um, especially for genre titles. Where you know, I would say with Hulu, obviously, like you would mention Prey, which was another great example of this. Uh, Hulu basically did a run of Into the Dark, uh, which was like their lineup of genre releases uh and you know they were like kind of like scattered across you know the calendar year and for for the most part you know they kind of like focused a little bit on holidays early on they branched out a little bit more beyond that uh, but like even with into the dark you know it's it's definitely a mixed bag but then you know we had fresh we had parade and it's like man like it, it definitely seemed like the genre releases on the streaming platforms really turned over a new leaf at that point where, you know, nowadays when it comes to like things like Tubi, it's like, I'm not like so hesitant to being like, oh yeah, like I, I, I don't know. Like, cause we, there, there was always that hesitation uh, for, for me with like, okay, like, are they just picking up the distribution rights for this? Or is this something that like they are firmly standing behind and, you know, Prey and Fresh were, like, ones that, you know, you sit down, you watch, and you're like, man, like, oh, this Hellraiser is what we're too. fucking talking Hellra about, yeah. Hellraiser 2, yeah. No, I think you're right, and I think that it probably is one of the one of the great things that um, Hulu did is, is going, okay, if we're going to be into horror, we're going to be into horror. Because there were a lot of, last year, there were a lot of really great, um, uh, call the Hulu excuses, I mean, there was, like, No Exit... Um, there was glorious, um, you know, things that were really good that I think that were of an indie background that didn't have a lot of chance. Now, were there still some good indie things? Um, I think so. Um, I'm still going to talk about Hellbender. I still loved Hellbender, and I know not everyone's down with that. Um, and if you like Hellbender, watch The Deeper You Dig, because The Deeper You Dig... Um, and I've literally sat and had a conversation with John Adams um, of the Adams family about the deeper you dig, um, and how much I enjoyed it. And um, he he gave just some great fucking insight to the whole thing. So 
I mean, ultimately, it's it's nice to know that horror's live and well. I think that uh, 2023 seems to be. It's a little flat at this yeah. point. It's, it's a little flat. Here. Yeah, there's not there's not great things, but I mean, and I think when you're a horror fan, uh, the reality is we're gonna get these years. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's it's much like interest rates, our president, and whatever else. Some years are good, some years are bad. Um, and it's it, it instead of focusing on what's terrible, it's better to focus on what's been great. 2022 was a great year. Fresh was, I, I mean, it's. I think for the 168 movies I watched last year that were 2022s, uh, Fresh is in the top. I want to say the top 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and but again, saying that 2022 was an exceptional year. I don't. It, it, that doesn't mean it was a, by any means a, a, a bad movie. It was. It's it's fun to watch. It's a horror movie that my wife, who does not like horror, will watch. And so why is that a good thing? Well, I'll tell you what. For everything that it is, it's not gory. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's not gory. It's not covered in boobs. And it's not covered in blood. It literally has none of the three Bs that we frequently talk about. And it's still exceptional. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that it is the creme de la creme of horror movies. Um Super fun to watch. Super great characters. I mean, definitely told from the female perspective, like, but the hardcore female perspective, which is awesome because you don't get a lot of that. Um, if if you want to see it like a hardcore female perspective, I would, I would tell people to go out and watch a movie called Kicking Blood. You can find that one on Tubi. That movie is fucking fantastic, and it is definitely told from the female perspective. Um, yeah, it's. It, it's nice that we're still getting these gems when there's so much out there. Um, you know, and, and, and you know me for, for 2022, I still, ha- I, I'm still on the terrifier too, bang wagon. I still love that. It's still it just because it just made me happy. Um, now is, is terrifier Two a great movie? No, it's not, but it doesn't matter. It made me happy. Fresh is a good movie. Secondarily, it's a good horror movie. So uh, that's a, a thing that I don't think a lot of people accomplish. Um, uh, you know, so for that, making something that, I mean, because I mean, you have, you literally have scenes in this movie where this guy is like, has a carving knife and he's chopping off chunks of flesh. He's outside with a chainsaw, an electric chainsaw. So good for the environment, I guess. But he's, and he's like cutting through the rib section. So he's like, he's literally cutting off chops, you know, and, at the same time, it is not so horrific in the let's have 17 gallons of blood thing. It's horrific in that's a human body he's cutting up. Mm-hmm. But it's somehow more palatable than like the gouts and gouts of blood, which is sort of mind boggling, but also at the same time sort of understandable. So, um, yeah, I mean, fresh fucking a dude. A fantastic movie. Rewatchable as hell. Great characters, great female presence. Mm-hmm. Ve- just very good on the spot. I'm going to do this thing, female presence. And, you know, with the director, I, I, I just everything about it was fantastic. So I, I'll just shut the fuck up and just let you talk because this movie was great. Yeah, first time director on top of it, too. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, what was interesting about that, too, is Mimi was actually brought on to, like, be heavily involved with the marketing of the film and, you know, get in a trailer out there for it, which never fucking happens. Even more so well, for, like, a first-time director. Well, and that's interesting because uh, for all the movies that I saw in the theater in 2022, Fresh was everywhere. It was everywhere. And for what I saw from the previews, it was one of those movies where I knew I had to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little bit of a sprinkling of an idea of what it was about. But getting into the meat and potatoes of this movie, it's it's not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it does such a good job of attacking so many of the things that are wrong with today that, I mean, it's, there's people that do it, right? I mean, like the Wolf of Wall Street attacked what was bad about today, right? Um, there's so many movies that do it, but it's like, this one was like right in your face about it. And it, it didn't make any bones about it. Well, uh, there probably was some bones, but I mean, it, <laughs> it it's, but it it's, it's, not subtle, which I like about a movie. I like when movies like get to the fucking point. Slow burns are not my. Th- that reminds me of something we should talk about at the end. So don't let me forget. But uh, slow burns are usually not my thing. I like when I know what's going on. But this movie sort of. I mean, it told you what was going on at the thirty-minute mark when you got the goddamn title card, which was just impressive as hell. Because usually a movie, most movies can't pull that off. They mm-hmm. they just they lose people right out of the gate. Um, but. Uh, ultimately just so so great so poignant everything about capitalism everything about friendship everything about love everything like the lengths that we're willing to go to do it but then even trying to like tip your toe into the pond of trying to find you know your love and it's like what a fucking pain in the ass it is Mm -hmm. you know just great yeah, I just really appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, when it comes to cannibalism movies, <laughs> you know, it's just a completely different approach because re- you can walk out of this movie and come back to it at any point and uh, easily confuse it for a rom-com. Oh, completely. Yeah. And that's I think probably is the best part of the whole thing, because unless you see a series of two or three scenes in a row where it's like, OK, I have a human leg over my shoulder and I'm and I'm lumberjacking it up the steps, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, what's going on? No, I mean, it, you can totally like, I just love you and I want to impress you and I want to make you mine. Uh, by the way, I make my living as a surgeon by day. At night, I'm a cannibal who sells flesh to the elitists of the world. I mean, and... Uh, Looking at it, and to your point, if you walked out of the theater, if you went to the bathroom, if you went, went got more popcorn, did whatever else, I mean, I'm not sure you'd necessarily get that, which is why it's a movie that I think you have to sit down and you have to watch. You have to put your phone down. You have to focus. You have to get all the nuances of this movie, because if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss something, and there's going to be a couple of spots that aren't going to make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Um, so you, you had mentioned something about slow burns and I know I'm wrapping up here, uh, cause I'm just trying to figure out what movie I want to do for, uh, Tuesday since, uh, we do have one more week. Uh, but you know, you, you did have something else to note. Oh, I was going to say, I watched, um, the movie, no one will save you today. Oh, I don't think I'm, I love that one. 
I love that look on your face because it means you don't know what I'm talking about, and I so dig that. Um, so 2023 horror thriller slash alien. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's been a long time. Well, for this year, oh, it's a Hulu release. Yes. Well, (laughs) so there we go. So Hulu knows what they're doing. This movie was fantastic. I don't generally go for the slow burns. They usually bore the shit out of me. This one is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. And um, having Caitlin Deaver in it, which you will know from The Last Man Standing, so she's a known actress, but I think this movie actually has less dialogue than A Quiet Place, if you can believe that. Mm. Um, but And it's it's in a similar vein, but the tone of the movie is different, the story of the movie is different, and the point of the movie is different. I watched it today, I was fucking blown away. I could not believe it. It's it is now just under birth rebirth for the best movie of my of the year for me so far. I, I like that you bring this up and it's lit it literally just came out like a couple of days ago. <laughs> well I'm a you on, know Friday, I am. on Friday. <laughs> I, I like to I like to get to the new stuff. I'm just like you. I like to see it when I can and it, 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 horror is a good thing if it interests me, that's a better thing. I don't see everything. I would like to. I just don't have time. I have to I have to mow my lawn and wash my car like everybody else. Ooh, I do um, like this director. I, uh, well, so, okay. So, I, it, I'm going to say this again. It is a slow burn. Mm-hmm. The first act is a little bit of a grind. But it pays off, and it pays off so hard and so huge that it's worth it. Now... This movie relies on its sets and its sound design to carry through the movie because there is literally next to no dialogue. I mean, there might be 50 clear words spoken in this movie. Um, but it it is so good. And the end, the, the end is the horror movie money payoff I've been waiting for for 25 years. So... Just, just get there. Just get there. It's, it, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I... I I usually tend to be pretty down on movies because I see so many. This one was an honest, someone's honest portrayal of a story that turned into a good dichotomy that turned into a perfect ending. And so get on it, go watch it. It's on Hulu. If you got Hulu, it's already fucking free. So you don't have any reason to cheap out. I'm pretty sure you already have Hulu. (laughs) So, I mean, just Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're, if you're, got nothing better to do like work or responsibilities put this one on because it's great it is absolutely great well if it's anywhere near as good as spontaneous which was his other movie that he did uh which i wouldn't say is a horror movie but it's uh definitely an intriguing watch which has a oh fantastic et callback in that movie which is uh one of my favorite parts of it uh but- well and this movie is if you like that one this one's not going to disappoint you um Imagine that movie with far better effects, far better sound design, costume design is fantastic, set design is fantastic, but there's, this movie has a vibe that it doesn't really explain most of it to you until the end, and when it explains it, it hits you so hard, it punches you right in the fucking beanbag when it gives you the, this is why all this is happening, but moreover, it... 
it takes the whole premise of the movie and makes it make sense. And then when you get to the end, you're just like, I mean, it's it's like floating on a floaty in your neighbor's pool and you're drunk and you just don't care because when you know you leave, you can drop your beer can and go home because somebody else has to clean the pool. It is <laughs> awesome. It is awesome. All right. Well, I will definitely go check that out. Uh, you know, problem. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be at some point this week. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, just a reminder, we will be on kick on Tuesday for Twisted Tuesday. That's at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And, uh, you know, like I've gone back and forth so much with my final pick for the month when it comes to this. Because, like, there there are so many movies that I really appreciate within this specific subgenre. I try and, try and for me to, like, narrow it down to movies that, like, I haven't seen recently versus ones that I, like, I really love has been a really hard task. But that being said, I, I do want to return to a director that we have covered more than a few times on this podcast. Uh, so on Tuesday uh, for the podcast next week, uh, I want to go back and watch another David Cronenberg movie. Uh-oh. So next week, we're doing Dead Rainers. Oh, okay. All right. I was hoping you weren't <laughs> going to say Crimes of the Future. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, no. I, 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 I would have just quit. I just would have <laughs> so, Okay. All right. Dead Ringers. I can work with Yeah. Uh, Crimes of the Future was definitely one of the uh, more middling uh, Cronenberg movies to, uh, to say the least. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment, but I can also think that it's fair to say that movie was fucking awful. But hey, whatever. some people like to uh, eat human meat. Some people like to eat plastic. <sighs> I would probably go for the meat over the plastic but that's just me yeah um okay well i'm uh whew, you, you had me scared for <laughs> like please no no not that not that okay you didn't pick it okay mm-hmm. dead ringers awesome i'm down for that yeah because part of me was like man i really want to talk about american mary but at the same time i've seen that movie so many times and i've already talked about the saucy sisters enough on our podcast even though there are plenty of nods to dead readers in in said movie but i figured hell let's just do dead readers anyway uh, so that's what we're going to do next week. So stay tuned for that. Of course, we'll be recording on uh, Wednesday next week. So be sure to look out for that episode drop in late Wednesday or early Thursday morning at the very latest. Uh, but for now, that will do it for us here tonight on Handle with Scare. We've been talking all about the Hulu original film Fresh, which came out in 2022. Go check that out and go check out, uh, you know, Grind's most recent, you know, recommendation, uh, which is also on Hulu, go figure, uh, which is uh, directed by Brian Duffield, who's fantastic. Also has a lot of good writing credits as well, uh, but he was mentioning that no one will save you, so that's on Hulu as of Friday. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us. Hope everyone enjoyed the show, and we'll see you guys back next week. Yeah, Just remember, a little salt and pepper is all you need. <laughs> Absolutely.